What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify. And don't forget to check our affiliate links in the description of the YouTube episodes. There you can often find uh, direct links to some of the products we mentioned throughout the episode for your buying pleasure. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And uh, we've got a show today that I can only describe as a doozy. <laughs> I'm laughing already because we're going to spend some time talking about Van Halen during the David Lee Roth era. And uh, we've got a bonus for you today because we are going to have David Lee Roth himself join us in a manner of speaking. We've got some uh, excerpts from an interview I did with him and... Uh, He'll share some of his uh, punchlines and wisdom with us, and uh, you're not going to want to miss that. We'll get to all that in a little bit, but first, let's bring in Jason. What's going on with you today? Howdy doody time. <laughs> uh, I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm bathed. I've I've taken a shower today. Wow. Yeah. Exciting. Good day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I got some coffee. Had some lunch <clears throat> and that's rare wow Since it's, you know on my clock it says 5 p.m so bathed and fed bathed and fed yeah wow. well i figured i better you know get healthy for this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, well, it's gonna be uh you know like like you said a little bit of a doozy maybe yeah it's gonna be fun it's, it's there's um there's a lot of things that um that I don't have written down or anything that I'm really hoping I don't forget to to mention. So, um, but I, I'm well. I uh, I I got my. I may have mentioned it to you guys uh, off camera. This would be my show and tell. I I I got the. Now this is not an original road racer issue of uh, Merciful Fate. Nuns have no fun. It's a uh, yeah. it's a very graphic cover. Yeah, I uh, won't describe it. Uh, Mercy, Mercy fans will know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> this this came out in 1982 on Road Racer. It's not colored vinyl or anything, but they really stuck to the original jacket. Um, it's only the four songs, but they sound so good. Certainly remastered. Um, they uh, they really did did it right. I believe that this was. Yeah, just last year, 2020, they did a re this reissue, and you know it was 25 bucks. I got it from uh, End of an Ear uh, in Austin, Texas. Great shop. And um, yeah, it's a great shop, and it's 180 gram vinyl. Uh, everything on it is exactly how I recall, um, with the the bad photos and bad makeup and just black and white, old school. <laughs> Um, the, uh, you know, I'd love that metal blade just is still around and have done so well and have spawned, uh, the music that ultimately we probably wouldn't be here talking, having a show if it wasn't for metal blade records. Yeah. Um, it's kind of true, right? Yeah. A lot uh, they they, um, one more goodie they put in here was, and I believe this to be actually, a more of a 
uh, just a, a more expensive cardstock kind of paper than the original lyric because it's just like an eight by ten or eight and a half by eleven typing paper, yeah. Which I think was what was actually inserted into the original <laughs> issue, like yeah. hand typed, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's the lyrics to lyrics to all the songs, <laughs> um, but this is actually on a, a little bit better stock. Uh, but that's really about it. They really kicked a bunch of ass. And I, I okay. like I said, I put it on the other day, and man, it was 1982 all over again. You yeah. know what? You know what, Dave? It's 1982 every day for me. It is, yeah. How about you? Well, you know, um, I had a birthday recently, and as uh, you mentioned on a previous episode, I got my copy of the Yay. Bob Halford book. So... Uh, spend a lot of time talking about it, but I have been reading about a chapter a day and I'm probably about not quite halfway through it. And, uh, I'll say this, um, for now, and then I'll recap when I finish reading the book on a future episode. But, uh, so far it's a great read. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and that's kind of been what's occupying my time as far as music is concerned, uh, since we last spoke. But yeah, uh, thus far, highly recommended, uh, oh, really yeah. enjoying it, very candid, um, as, as you've mentioned uh, in previous episodes, because I know you've read the book as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'll save my final review for, for some point in the future when I actually finish the book. Um, there are some things I, that I want to, I just want to like blurt out into the microphone now that will be spoilers for you that I just don't want to do. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do but it. But there's one huge <laughs> bummer about the book. I'll find it. I'll you find, find it and tell me what the big bummer is. I'll, yeah. He, okay. he basically le leaves somebody out. Okay. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. And it's a big bummer and you'll know why because, well, you'll, you'll know. It'll it'll stick out like a sore thumb, I'm sure. Well, or it won't at all. You'll oh. realize it after the fact. Like I had to go back, you know, it was like three chapters later. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and I went back and like his editor missed it. Wow. It's too bad. It's too yeah. bad on multiple levels. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if Rob feels bad about it because surely he knows that he did it. Unless there was a reason he did it. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. There and we won't know that until you call up Chipster and uh, get Rob to be a guest on Talk Louder. Exactly. <laughs> zing, zing, zing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll save the rest for when I actually finish the book, but so far it's been yeah. a good read. The, the other thing I've been doing is keeping up with, uh, our listeners comments. And, uh, I want to give a shout to Rex Rogers. Um, yeah. he found us, uh, a little, a little after we, uh, in his words, kind of got, was arrived late to the party, but I will say this. The guy is binge listening to the podcast and he leaves comments on every episode and we love it. Every and 10 minutes. He's <laughs> I know my phone is blowing every up and it's like, Hey, it's Rex Rogers. This is awesome. And he's always got something great to offer. And for those of you who don't know, Rex is a, a Texas guy had a band called shotgun rebels. They were out of San Angelo, Texas. And Rex also was the owner or co-owner or some big head honcho of a rock club in San Angelo, Texas called the Dead Horse Saloon. 
And if you're a touring band traveling through Texas, Texas is huge. So San Angelo is about halfway between El Paso and Austin slash San Antonio, central south Texas. So if you're a traveling band and there's a midpoint rock venue and you get to play the stage and get fed, you go to the Dead Horse Saloon. And from what I've been told by people I know that are in bands, they were always treated really well there. And uh, so anyway, I wanted to give a shout to Rex for uh, binge listening to Talk Louder and spreading the word. And if you stay tuned to the end of this episode, I'm going to get back to Rex because I have a story about him later on in the episode. And Good. I want to throw a shout out to Rex right now because uh, Broken Teeth um, and I think Kill Em All uh, played through San Angelo a bunch of times when we were hosted by the Dead Horse and Rex and uh, Shotgun Rebels, his band, was kick-ass. And when yeah. they would come through, they would usually play think they played with the toys one time and a couple times with broken teeth here but um they were awesome uh rex is a great a great guy and uh just worships rock and roll just like anybody else so he's more than welcome here and uh i love how he especially the record stores episode, how he went off on Sundance, the record store that he grew up in in San Marcos, Texas. Yeah. That was incredible. And he even said something really cool, um, how he said, uh, uh, if I don't watch it, my garage is going to turn into a replica of Sundance Records in San Marcos via 1982. Yeah. Something like that. I was like, yeah. That would that would actually be awesome. That's what I commented and said. Yeah. I said that would be incredible. Take photos, yeah. do a walkthrough of your garage, and go. Here's where the Coke machine was. You know. Yeah. If you're unfamiliar with Sundance Records in San Marcos, it it, it closed up a while back, and I hear it's reopening uh, at a new location under new ownership because the previous owner recently passed away. But when I was going to school, uh, college in San Marcos, and and. I believe Rex went to the same college at a different time, uh, which is what placed us both at uh, Sundance Records at various points. But I bought half my Ramones collection at Sundance Records. And during that episode, I think I failed to mention that record store as being one that I frequented. But to get back to Rex's point, that place was covered in rock and roll memorabilia from floor to ceiling, and it was really cool. You spent as much time staring at the walls as you did actually flipping through the record bin. So if he's going to convert his garage into uh, Sundance Records, do it, <laughs> and then invite me over. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I wanted to give a shout to Rex, and uh, stay tuned because I'll have more on him and, and a, a story I want to share at the end of the episode. But uh, let's move on to David Lee Roth with Van Halen. So David Lee Roth with Van Halen. First of all, is it fair to just come right out and say that uh, Van Halen with David Lee Roth is probably one of the greatest American hard rock bands of all time? Without exaggerating, I, can we put them in the top five? Is that fair? I I think so. I, without, I mean, you know me. Give me a minute, and I'll argue with myself about it. But 
yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, as far as American rock bands go that sort of changed the world, uh, that's they're they're in there. They they're one of the winners. Yeah. But but I, I want to back up and go. I, and this is one of those things that I'm going to give you shit about is is the fact that when you say Van Halen, do you have to say with David Lee Roth? Well, for the sake of this episode, you know, um, uh, no, I yeah, mean, just I mean, in just in general, if you're two two guys hanging out, you know, drinking a beer, listening to Van Halen, do you have to say, no. what do you guys, what do you guys listen to, Van Halen with David Lee Roth? No, if you know, it doesn't sound all, doesn't yeah. sound right. First of all, if I'm drinking a beer with you, uh, it's understood that we're talking about Van Halen with David Lee Roth, or else I'm not drinking a beer with you. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> right. And uh, right. no disrespect. No disrespect be, to Sammy, but it would be under some sort of uncertain circumstances that it be any other kind of Van Halen. Yeah, which right. is the point of this episode today, because uh, you know, obviously they went on to great things with Sammy Hagar, but we're focused on David Lee Roth today, because with David Lee Roth, the David Lee Roth lineup is the is the band that put Van Halen on the map, and for good reason, and that's what we're going to get into today. Um, so, you know, when, when did you, when did Van Halen first come on your radar? I love the question. Thank you, Dave. I'll take it. Uh, I was living in Corpus Christi growing up, uh, a young, I want to be clever and say degenerate, but <clears throat> I was a good boy, uh, who was just, who was just completely drowning. I was drowning myself on purpose in, uh, I was swimming to the bottom of whatever rock and roll, uh, had to offer. And, um, I remember it was probably, it was probably 1978. And I was over at a neighborhood friend's house. And this time it wasn't the, it was the older brother's record collection strikes again yep um we were in the garage it was a garage it was a converted garage and uh you know had a st old stereo out there and a it was a party room right yeah and um it was at a neighborhood friend's house and we were over there it was in the summer and uh you know i think that we had like the party lights on and stuff and we were just listening to records i remember that day we listened to like the first Boston record, you know, whatever, things like that. Yeah. But then uh, they put that Van Halen record on, the first Van Halen record. And I started asking questions immediately. Is this your brother's record? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, this is what? You know, I just pretty much stopped in my tracks and started listening to what was happening because being the kiss freak that I was and, and well-versed in, you know, every, you know, Rush and Judas Priest and ACDC by then. Right. Um, it was, you know, as well as whatever was the hot classic rock, you know, Bachman Turner overdrive, Alice Cooper, Elton John, whatever, you know, all the things that we talk about on talk louder, but yeah, this was a holy shit moment yeah, because it wasn't like, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the Ian Gillen, you know, space trucking scream, you know, or the, or the Rob Halford victim of changes. It wasn't anything like that. It was like, 
I, I, you've heard me say this before, the game show host on acid trying to sing heavy metal, you know, yeah. or it was like Louis Prima or, you know, it was like a, a jazz crooner who was, you know, trying to sound like a bald eagle or a tyrannosaurus or, you know, like a, you know what I mean? It was monster. Yeah. It was something vocally happening on top of this sort of. Because some songs were boogie woogie, and some I mean, I, I I didn't have terminology back then. I was in '78. I was 13 years old. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, um. Took took you know the dude eruption came on, and everyone was just kind of like jaw open, like what? Yeah. What what is happening right now? Because that was the first time that I personally, I can't speak for whoever else was there, had ever heard, you know, a guitar solo. I mean, there's, you know, you had Gonzo Double Live. Double you know, you had Gonzo, Gon yeah. Gonzo you know, the Ted, the, the Ted Nugent live album. And there's, you know, he's doing guitar solos on there, but I'm sorry, Ted. <laughs> Eruption is not the solo in hibernation. Yeah. yeah. Uh it's just not. Sorry to Ted and everyone else for that matter. <laughs> well well there you there you go. Yeah. Um yeah. so that was I mean I I I caught it the year that it came out. It was the year uh before it was the year that Van Halen probably went out opening for BTO and whoever else Nazareth and Journey and whoever else until until in 79 not long later they were blowing sabbath off the bill so yeah we'll, well i'm sure that that little phrase will come up again in this episode about the van halen black sabbath yeah yeah what about you uh well i was uh somehow i missed the first record and i'm not i don't know why or how uh i was definitely into rock music at the time i like you was obsessed with kiss uh, but the first Van Halen song I remember hearing on the radio was Dance the Night Away from the second album. And uh, I didn't know who it was, but I loved the song. And so what I, year? What year was it? Were you being introduced? Uh, it's the year that that album came out. So that's okay. 79. Seventy nine. Nine. Yeah. Maybe eighty. Late seventy nine. 80s, 80s women and children's. Right. Birth. Well, so, they were they were busy. So, yeah, yeah, every band back in those those days was. But I remember hearing Dance the Night Away and uh, not knowing who it was. And so I did a little digging and it was a hit. So it was on the radio, you know, a few times a day. And eventually I heard that it was this band, Van Halen. And uh, so uh, I remember, you know, and it wasn't long after, as you just said, it wasn't too much longer. And Women and Children first came out. And that's the first album I bought by Van Halen. I bought it on cassette tape. And that was, to me, that was a turning point because up until uh, 1980, I was, I was exclusively all about Kiss. And I think, you know, Back in Black by ACDC and Women and Children First by Van Halen both came out in 1980. So I bought them both at the same time. And I remember thinking, um, I, this is taking rock and roll to a whole different level for me. And I don't know if I was looking, I, maybe I was looking for something a little heavier or a little harder, 
or a little more, for lack of a better word, mature or something like that. But I remember thinking, uh, after listening to Van Halen and ACDC at that time, that uh, rock just got harder and heavier for me, and I loved it, you know. Uh, so that was kind of when they first came on my radar. And uh, I remember buying Women and Children First on cassette. And uh, Well, hold on. When you heard Dance, um, you were – how old were you? You were young. Yeah. So if Dance – if it came out in – 79. Uh, 79. How, how old were you? I'm 12. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm like 12 years old. Uh, I can remember I was living in Maryland. My dad was in the Air Force, so we moved around a lot. But I remember we were living in Maryland. I had my bedroom was downstairs in a two-story house. And I it was I was at an age where I was going to sleep with the radio on. And I was trying to record songs off the radio on a cassette, you know. And you always ended up with the DJ's intro and outro. <laughs> but uh, that's when I remember hearing Dance the Night Away. And, you know, the funny thing is it's 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 one of Van Halen's more melodic sort of poppy songs, but I loved it right away. It was so catchy. And I, I just, I loved how the cowbell was featured in it, you know, and I, I just thought it was great. And so then, you know, I, a few, maybe a year later, women and children first comes out and I'm a, I'm, I'm a sold Van Halen fan at that point. So, yeah, uh, I graduated from kiss in 1980 when I discovered, uh, Van Halen and ACDC at the same time. And so when Van Halen came, so why, why is it that you think the chemistry, especially with Roth worked so well? Because I mean, rock had, uh, rock had very charismatic front men before Roth came along. You had Jim Dandy, you had Steven Tyler, uh, you had like a Rod Stewart or something what was it that Dave brought to rock and roll that was so, uh, you know, unusual? Or what was the secret ingredient that he had that the rest of them didn't? Because he definitely became sort of a class unto himself as a as a front man. Well, I think that he has um, ego, and I think that he use, he uses that. <laughs> Um, in all the right places and he can turn that on and, and, um, actually turn, I feel like he's turning it into the, his, you know, he's using it as, as his X factor, like his, uh, as an unstoppable force. And, um, he's one of these front men that, you know, much like Tyler, just is a great example who is sort of uh you're not going to get a word in <laughs> and he's probably going to say something offensive and you're going to laugh at it instead of get mad at him and he's talking about you <laughs> and i feel like d snyder uh, is worthy of this conversation about the same kind of a thing he's yeah. gonna he's gonna start a friendly fight that's not physical and you're going to love him for it, right? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the Roth vocal style has a lot to do with uh, 
I don't want to say hair metal, you know. Uh, yeah. It has a lot to do with how fun 80s rock and roll became. Yeah. Um, because he was talking about partying. He was singing the blues about love and, you know, the opposite sex and uh, metaphors aplenty. Yeah. And... Um, there's he's a he's a full package as far as a frontman goes, but he's not uh, a terrible singer. Uh, at at the same time, he created his own way. Yeah. Um, his range is really good, but is a there's you know a chest voice you can only get so high in your chest voice until it becomes another voice um this, these are technical things i'm talking about yeah you know when when you know you can you can you know raise your voice to a certain point and then there's a break in your voice yeah. and roth is one of those guys much like steven tyler uh who sings on the break quite a bit and figured out a way to use that to where he can like do this like kind of fry vocal you know this kind of like like creaky thing where it sounds like three voices at one time yeah <laughs> and tyler's good at that and roth is good at that there's a bunch of people who can sing like that and still not and still have it have some kind of girth or some kind of like uh shape to it when they use it yeah and um that makes him that makes him sort of unstoppable as far as what he can do. And also I feel like the combo between what was, cause Eddie sang too, but Mike Anthony, Michael Anthony singing all of those high harmonies. It's kind of like Freddie Mercury had Roger Taylor, Roger Taylor of queen. The drummer is the one singing all that. Galileo! That's the drummer. <laughs> so see yeah. what I mean? There's, there's this one-two punch going on in all this classic rock music, and Van Halen is definitely one of them. And I feel like, um, you know, the same thing happened when Sammy joined Van Halen. The same, you know, he had all this cool stuff to work with, which is what Roth had. Um, now, I prefer, the, I love Sammy Hagar, but I, I feel like the, the, the thing that Roth, and this is where I get personal, the thing that Roth had that I love is how just like ridiculously silly it sounds when you sort of take it out of context, like his, what he's doing, because it's just so like, wow, you know, it's almost like uh, he's doing like bird noises and shit. Yeah. Some but wild, with, but with the riff, up. which inadvertently is kind of like heavy metal riffs. I mean, they were the funnest heavy metal band that was not a heavy metal band yeah they were like i mean david lee roth was like a satanic cheerleader yeah <laughs> uh you know bouncing all around and doing roundhouse kicks and the splits and wearing you know funny clothes and and you know it's it's crazy yeah you know i i always thought that uh part of his appeal was maybe he goes back to the fact that his influences weren't necessarily uh rock singers from a previous generation i'm sure that, he had that's them. right and and before i before i'm sorry to interrupt you again but 
Uh, you mentioned Jim Dandy. It's arguable a lot of people say that he got his whole thing from Jim Dandy, the way he talked to the audience, the way he berated the audience, the way yeah. where he's wearing the hip hugger thing with like cowboy boots or dancing shoes or whatever the hell he was wearing. So Yeah. Yeah. And but you know, so yeah, you could argue that he borrowed heavily from Jim Dandy, and that would be a case where he's borrowing from uh you know, someone that came before him, maybe. But I would say that a lot of his influence comes from things that are more showbiz than straight music. Like he grew up, he was a big fan of like Al Jolson. Yeah. He he was you know t he was totally into vaudeville, uh, the 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 song and dance man. You know, Sammy Davis Jr. That kind yeah, of. Yeah, believe stuff. it or not, he's more Alice Cooper than you think. Alice Cooper loves that kind of stuff. Yeah, the vaudeville and the you know scary movie meets a vaudeville show. That's what right. Alice Cooper but, is. Well, David we, Lee Roth is similar to that in a lot of ways. But Dave, but Dave, uh, kind of brought with him that the the whole sense of humor. Uh, Alice borrowed from it in a in a visual theatrical kind of way, but Dave Andy. also brought over the humor, yeah. which I think is important because Dave kind of gets. Uh, remembered as sort of the clown uh, clown prince of rock and roll. And I think that's because he grew up on TV and big band music and, you know, song and dance men and, and, and people that you saw on TV that, you know, there was music playing in the background, but they were entertainers first and musicians second. And, and that was kind of, you know, he had a great, a great deal of his influence came from that type of thing more so than, you know, he wasn't mimicking Robert Plant or, you know, he wasn't trying to be Mick Jagger. He was trying to be some guy, uh, you know, from a, a slapstick television show. And, oh, by the way, I sing, you know, kind of deal. Right. And so he brought that comedic element and that element of showbiz. And I think that that's an important part of, of who he became and what made him such a you know, a, a party starter. And you put that in front of a rock band that's smoking hot in an arena full of people. And it's a party, man. You know, I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of front men at that time were, they might've been energetic and charismatic or whatever, but they were oftentimes very sort of serious or morose or, uh, being over, you know, spending a lot of time being uh, taken or perceived as being artistic or whatever. And Roth was like, he'd put the lampshade on his head and set himself on fire if that's what it took to get a laugh, you know? <laughs> I see what you did. You said on fire. I get that. I said on fire, didn't I? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. But he brought so, that element of showbiz and, and comedy and stand-up and big band and, you know, that sort of thing. And I think that's kind of what shaped him into the front man that a new generation of fans was like, wow, this guy's a lot of fun. This is great. I'm having a good time, you know? Yeah, the... Um... And the girls I... loved it. Let's not forget that. He, him and Van Halen brought a whole new demographic to arena rock. You know, I'm not saying Well, he was, you know, they, they liked his clothes because he wasn't afraid to, to, uh, you know, dance and shake his ass and move his <laughs> hips. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and he was a gym, he was a gymnast, you know, he's doing flips and yeah. back bends and all you got to do is look at the back of the first cover. I mean, they gave him the back of the cover because right. 
he's and he he's was a you know he was a good looking guy and he yeah. was hand and and buff and you know yeah. he gave he, he gave the audience something to look at something to listen to besides you know besides the vocals that you know it was the punchlines between the songs it was the ad lib stuff during the songs right. it was the kind of stuff that made it feel loose and fun like a backyard keg party just magnified to an arena sized stage yeah you know there's some um sort of uh ad hoc uh, off the beaten path kind of like not big money production uh sort of like uh documentaries or biopics about van halen and they're just talking to like whoever's from pasadena california or whatever who went to some of those backyard parties yeah so so i hear that you were at a backyard party once in 1975 where van halen played your your sister's birthday party or something tell us about it <laughs> and, and you can you can look those up on like uh like Amazon Prime or something and watch all those. And it's, you know, they show old flyers and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, it's it's pretty interesting. It's it's a little, it's not polished at all. Um, and I don't even think that there's any Van Halen music in the damn thing at all because they couldn't get the rights to it. That's what I mean by yeah. sort of it's it's over here. You know, it's not really being pushed. It's it's a hadn't been signed off by management you know, right so. but there's a there's a good book that covers that same time period called van halen rising and oh yeah yeah i forget who wrote it but it, it the the beauty of the book is that it sort of focuses on the band as they were before they got famous so there's a big emphasis on them being like high school kids and playing backyard keggers and being you know, in rival competitions with other neighborhood bands and how their backyard parties became the stuff of legend. And it's really cool because let's face it, we're all pretty well in tune with the 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 story of Van Halen, the famous band. But I like this book called Van Halen Rising because it sort of takes you to the, it, it, it almost quits at the start of the first album. You know, it, yeah. the bulk of the book is all about them being a neighborhood band and making their name for themselves on the backyard keg circuit. <laughs> I bet this cool. weird documentary movie I'm talking about is basically the same thing as the yeah. book. Yeah, that sounds that's like it's I'm taken. Thinking. Yeah, it sounds like it's taken from from what's happening in the book. Um, and they talked to the to all you know the guy who roadied for him in '72 or you know whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know he he was like 15 years old or whatever. They talked to a guy that you know. I went to Eddie's, you know, 10th birthday party, you know, those kind of people are in it. But, yeah. but the thing is, is, um, <clears throat> the creation of Van Halen took, I mean, I keep thinking of, uh, you know, Motley the Dirt kind of story about how they found Vince. Yeah. Um, that similar story is happening with Van Halen too, you know? Yeah. Um, the, uh, you know, and uh, Roth's character is actually in the dirt, isn't it? So, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> the, um, But, yeah, he was in a rival band, yeah. in neighborhood rival band. And the story goes that the Van Halen brothers actually hired him because he had a PA. <laughs> well, that's the same as Ozzy Osbourne. Ozzy yeah. got, the, got the Sabbath gig because he had a PA. Right. So all you aspiring singers out there, do yourself a favor and buy a PA and some struggling neighborhood band will uh, 
will bring you into the fold just because you've got the gear and uh <laughs> i never knew i never knew that was a thing because um first off i didn't fancy myself a singer in the first place i had a bass rig yeah <laughs> I didn't have a pa uh, yeah. i got hired as a singer and i didn't have a microphone you know yeah, so yeah <laughs> it was opposite for me but yeah that's a that, apparently that's a thing you don't get a PA till after you find out you can sing is how it worked for me. So. Yeah, that's that would be the that would be the logical sequence of events, but you know, stranger things have happened. Well, it would it would have been like this for me like like if I buy a PA but I don't know anything about singing. <laughs> exactly. So I'm getting a gig whether I know how to sing or not, you know. Right. It's, it's right. And you know, the other thing about Dave was uh, you know, that's that that personality uh he carried it with him you know, anytime he was quote unquote on. So even when he was in the media, you know, the interviews that he did were always hilarious. The, the, the appearances that he made at, you know, award shows or whatever, you just knew he was going to say something hilarious. And it's that, it's that stand up comic inside of him or that showbiz guy that just never turns off, whether he's on the stage singing with Van Halen or he's being interviewed for, you know, some talk show or or some magazine or whatever. You can always count on him to have something entertaining to say. And I think that's just part of his thing, man. He's an entertainer more so than a singer, I think. Hey, let's um let's talk about your interview with him. This is your your interview, you you know, you recorded these things and <clears throat> you're I at least want to like play the very first clip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and just to, you can get <laughs> like a, a sense of uh, what it's of like to you, talk. <laughs> <laughs> you like or just, him, yeah. Or, or let him talk to you is more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You, I think that you did a little bit of talking, but uh, in the whole 15 minutes or so, yeah, you yeah. don't, you don't get much. Let's see. Here we go. Hello. I'm calling for Dave. This is David Lee. David Lee, it's Dave. How are you, sir? I'm outstanding. Good. Great to talk to you. I'm sorry I missed you this morning. Uh, it's happened. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I was actually kind of surprised you were up doing interviews at that hour. I, I assume you're no longer rothing rooms or, nurse, or nursing brutal hangovers these days, huh? You know what? It swings both ways around, which is part of the fun of it. You know, at some points I'm up at 5 in the morning. We were doing radio rodeo. Are you on tape going here? Yes, sir. We were on Radio Rodeo for the last two weeks and doing, I don't know, an hour and a half's worth at 7 and 8 o'clock in the morning, doing morning shows across the country. <clears throat> we did that. We did 10 uh, stations, you know, Houston, Texas, and Chicago, and you name it. Right. Um, I kind of, conversely, you know, we turn in, you know, you bring out your Keith Richards married badge. <laughs> Vincent Price fangs in his uniform. Me, that is nothing but darkness. Oh, cool. Can I come? <laughs> is she with you? <laughs> yes. Me plus two for darkness. <laughs> well, it's nice to know you still got it in you. <laughs> well, no, dude, you know, you want to see, you know, it's you want to celebrate uh, both sides of the coin here. Right. You know, the, the more you... you well, my first reaction was he, either he's treating himself better these days or he hasn't gone to sleep yet. <laughs> well, I didn't get to where I am by watching my health. 
<laughs> well, <clears throat> that will give you a taste of what, what I like is you can't really hear it because the way it was recorded, your voice is actually louder than his, but he's laughing with you. Yeah, he's laughing the whole time. Yeah. 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 He's laughing with you. And um, I can hear it on my end. I don't know if everybody else can, but it's like, yeah. oh, 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 I hear him just calling he's, in yeah, the back. He's just howling away in the background the whole time. And, and I mean, I was in stitches the whole time talking to him because he's just like I was saying, leading up to that, uh, to that little clip there, you know, he just doesn't turn off. I, I guess, I hope when he goes to bed at night, he finally turns off. But if he's in the, if he's in the public eye or if he's quote unquote on, whether that means being on stage or doing an interview over the phone or somebody catches him at a red carpet event or whatever, you can just bet your ass he's going to throw out a few zingers and everybody's going to be talking about what Roth said the next day. <laughs> well, I, I want to throw this out there. I don't, I haven't read his book. I haven't, oh, it's great. you know, watched or heard a thousand interviews with him, you know, just bits and pieces throughout my life as a fan. Right. So um, it's kind of like this. I feel like he's highly intelligent. Oh yeah. Maybe dangerously. Yeah. Um, whatever that means. I, I like it. I like the way that that sounds, that he's dangerously intelligent. Yeah. I yeah. feel like um, he has studied everything that has become his persona. Yeah. Like he's well-versed in whatever it is he needs to become David Lee Roth and be him 24-7 if, if he has to. Yeah. Or at least on a, in an interview or radio or whatever, and uh, just the way that he handles himself, it kind of goes back to his, uh, uh, you know, his stage persona. And during an interview, he's probably hamming it up and and doing his best uh, creation of whatever he is up there or in a Van Halen song for the interviewer because that's what is going to make the article great. Yeah, of course. And he knows that. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. your point. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're talking about Dave and his personality, which is a huge part of the, 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 the Van Halen uh, puzzle here. But uh, obviously, he's got the luxury of fronting like a phenomenal band. You already talked about the great uh, backup vocals of Michael Anthony. We all know, you know, Eddie Van Halen, we don't even need to talk about. Uh, and then Alex Van Halen. So I think also key to the success, I mean, you can be a you can be a clown all you want, but if you don't have the songs, you're a clown without songs. And in the case of Roth, he was a clown that had great, great songs that kind of cut across the grain. And you you mentioned earlier you kind of called them the the most fun heavy metal band that you could think of. And that's even kind though, of what, even though that's not even a term yet, right? But what in my, in my eyes, especially where I was standing, heavy metal was not even something that, you know, I didn't call myself a headbanger at age thirteen. It yeah, was not right. Even but, though I Judas Priest and ACDC and Kiss and Van Halen and everything else was on my radar, it wasn't about. It was just rock music. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. I, but I think that's the beauty of Van Halen, especially at that point, and, and you know, even in later years. But they were one of those bands that was able to, especially the Roth era, they were 
hard enough to you know appeal to like the the rock and rollers who really dug the you know the heavier stuff but they were poppy enough and catchy enough they were danceable you know and then you know with roth out in front of them it's just kind of a come as you are let's party everybody have a good time kind of vibe uh but the songs were deadly man i mean there's no man, denying the music if you if you go through like i i'm I'm going through it in my head right now, but we've mentioned on fire. You got atomic punk. Yeah. Uh, you got running with the devil running with the devil even has a little bit of a boogie, you know, it's slow and thud and yeah. headbanger kind of thing, but dancey and still harmonies and all kinds of stuff talking yeah. about the devil, Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of, you know, which is the exactly. theme that, that can work. And, you know, obviously it worked. Right. Oh yeah. The, yeah. But but like Atomic Punk and On Fire. Let's. I'll just talk about those because I can't get even past those. Those might be my. Oh, I'm the one. Yeah. I'm the one. So, so and I'm the one's almost like two songs because they got Show Your Love. Yeah. And I'm the one is this crazy shuffle beat kind of kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's kind of like a 1978 Hot for Teacher. It's the same feel, right? Yeah. A lot of people probably don't even realize that. No, that's a great point. Yeah. So on on fire and atomic punk and I'm the one. Let's let's just circle those three wagons for a second. Man, you got heavy metal screaming at you, but you also got papada shubadua. Yeah, exactly. In, what? Which kind of goes? Which, that's which kind of goes back to the whole vaudeville big band uh mm -hmm. Sammy Davis Jr. Al Jolson kind of thing that I was talking about, you know. Ba -ba -da -ba, ba -ba -da -ba, ba -ba -da yeah. I mean it's all might as well be a little bit of Beach Boys and Bebop. Yeah, Bebop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they were the they they had a perfect mix of all that stuff and um But but on fire, my point was on fire and atomic punk were metal songs yeah but during these metal songs it's like it's kind of like a metalocalypse that character that's a clown dr roxo yeah you know that I character know. Do you I know, know that oh i bet listeners know i do cocaine it's a <laughs> a total it's a clown yeah who, who's talking like an axel rose or almost even like like how I sing in the toys and it's a clown. I don't know if they, that they <laughs> meant any, if they were pointing at, at anyone when they did that in that cartoon, but he's a reoccurring character. This Dr. Roxo, uh, and he talks like this, and he's doing that. And I swear it's like the dangerous toys clown with Axl Rose's voice doing like David Lee Roth type antidotes. Yeah. And it's a mess. And you should you should watch it just so you can yeah, you're already laughing. Yeah, I know. Because I can see I can... what anyway, um so you got these metal riffs, you know, bad you know, on fire, you know, <clears throat> just all this seriousness. And he's going, Whoa yeah. He's doing that. He's like a cheerleader on these songs that are ripping your brain out. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in their music where he does just that. He throws in a woo or whatever, and you're 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 just you're absolutely convinced that they went into the studio and he just did that on the fly. It was not planned. And that's, oh no, 
that's what gives it that loose kind of like anything goes. We're here to have a good time kind he of. He does thing. this one. He does this one. I realize. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> he does that on. Uh, that's on. I'm the one. Ah! And I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you listened to the? Uh, I think it's Running with the Devil, isolated vocal track that's on YouTube. Uh, I've heard. Have, you ever, have yeah. you ever heard that? I don't know if I've heard that one. I've I heard... used to listen to that. The first time I heard that, I think I listened to it like six times in a row, and I my jaw was on the ground. I wasn't laughing. I was just like studying it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because <laughs> it's uh, it's it was like a moment in time like where you could literally be a fly on the wall, man, I wonder what it been, would have been like to just been standing outside the door with him. Now you can pretend you're standing outside the door and only hearing Roth do his vocal track. And what I love about it, it's you can hear the track and the, in the background, extremely faint. And I imagine that be the playback in his headphones while he's cutting the vocal that's bleeding into his microphone. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. Do you understand? Yeah, yeah. It's it's freaking awesome. <laughs> and I'm sure that 90% of our listeners who, who watch or listen to Talk Louder, uh, who are subscribers, yes. subscribers, <laughs> uh, they've heard, they've, they, they've probably heard that. They've probably heard that isolated vocal track of, Running with the devil. Pretty sure it's running with the devil. Well, there's a is it there's a scream at the end of uh is it on fire? There's just this blood curling. Oh god, which one? On yeah. fire is all yeah. screams. Exactly. And I mean I it's it's things like that that just sound so ad lib and on the fly that just give the the songs that kind of energy. Cause the way he presents it, you just can't imagine that 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 he went in fully planning to do that. It's almost like he sounds like he's getting all caught up in the music and he just lets it rip with whatever, you know? Well, this is a good, this is a good, uh, I'm ex I love this conversation because we're talking about singers yeah. and, and, uh, and the histrionics of such the, the crazy part about hard rock or even heavy metal vocal stylings. Yeah. Now, when you think about, you know, I'm on fire. And you got Michael Anthony go I'm on fire doing the harmony. And it's at the same time, it's like you're being killed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you got you got all this crazy all this crazy riffing going, I'm on fire. It's like it's nails on the chalkboard to grandma. But it is heaven for you it's and me. Beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, precise, yeah. man. They're doing some cool shit. It's yeah. And, and the thing is, is like the only uh, there had been predecessors. It's not unprecedented. There had been singers that have done exactly that. We've mentioned them all. Yeah, yeah. All of all, of, you know, Led Zeppelin did stuff. You know, was already uh, Plant had already done the. The you know sing above the break and harmonize with it and and even Getty Lee had done that and and they're all getting it from Ian Gillen, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gillen, Ian Gillen was doing that, um, you know Ozzy wasn't really doing that. Ozzy sang harmony with himself, but he was 
um, he's really a big Beatles guy. Yeah. Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, even Dave acknowledges uh, the music that he has the luxury of singing in front of. And, uh, uh, you know, we everyone talks about Eddie Van Halen and, and how innovative and groundbreaking he was. And, and, and he was. Uh, but we, I, there's another clip that you have where uh, Dave is talking about um, the difficulty in finding a guitar player. Uh, he plays it down as far as the difficulty in finding someone who can play Eddie's licks, but he's definitely acknowledging uh, the greatness of Eddie Van Halen. I got even. it. I'm going to play it. Yeah, do it. Do it. Here do it comes. It. How is it that you go about um, auditioning guitar players after so many years with uh, the great Eddie Van Halen? Well, the great Eddie Van Halen is wandering around in the fog. And like an old Jamaican sailor told me once, hey, if you always sail in the fog, you don't need a compass. <laughs> so happy sailing, Cap. Who do you, who's playing guitar? Well, wait, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Um, there is a band called... Uh, Atomic Punks. Oh, yeah. Who are a tribute band. And there's a fellow who's a singer, David Lee Ralph, we call him. <laughs> they play 250 times a year. It's the most popular club act on the West Coast. Uh-huh. I'll take some credit for that. Right on. Um, where do you find somebody in this day and age who can blow the doors off, and I don't mean just sort of represent, because in a funny kind of way, money is more expensive than ever before. Do you know what I'm saying, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you know how every note of that goes. You've played that air guitar how many times? Oh, yeah. Me too. Countless. Okay. Well, then you need somebody who's going to bang on that sucker like it was a freebie from a call girl. <laughs> sarcastic, vengeful, drunken audience. Right. And, you know, here you've got somebody who's not only survived, but transcended and controlled that kind of audience literally a thousand times. Holy shit. Yeah. This stuff will leave you glowing like the slow guy at Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite quote. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so just to be clear. Leave you glowing like the slow guy at Chernobyl. <laughs> so, so just for everybody, just in case you forgot in that minute and a half clip, he's talking about guitar players. Yeah, right. Yeah, you better get someone, you know, you need somebody who's going to bang on that like a freebie from a Vegas showgirl. <clears throat> so to speak. Holy, yeah, holy moly. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's but, way, yeah, that they, yeah. Every every quote is just decorated with all this uh, extracurricular stuff. That's just it's pure comedic poetry, man. <laughs> well, I feel like I feel like, dude. I feel like your writing style <clears throat> comes from stuff like that. I feel like the way you write your uh, your pieces, your even your bio material for bands and such. I feel like you take from your your favorite frontman and your lyri yeah. your favorite lyricist the way you bang bang up all the words. Yeah, I, there's probably some truth to that. I, mm -hmm. I you know 
there, you know, as, as a writer and a and a and a reader, an an, an avid reader, <clears throat> I have a huge appreciation for colorful wordplay and uh, and and you know, double entendres and 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 comedy that's woven in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I you know I I'm guilty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's like I I come from the school of why just say it when you can say it clever. And there's a fine line between clever and cheesy or and going overboard to to impress somebody. But if you the 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 winning formula is can you say it like nobody else could say it but also have it uh you know, not come across as trying too hard. And well, you're also you also sound like sorry to interrupt. No, that that happens a lot on this show. <laughs> um, you sound like you're describing the way, uh, like you're like a songwriting class, like a lyric writing class. Yeah, so exactly. All of the stuff that you just said is exactly what um, a lyricist would would a lyricist would completely agree with you, and I'm agreeing with what it is that you're saying, even though yeah. I'm the one that called you out on it in the first place. Um, you, it's exactly like writing lyrics. I feel like your 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 creativeness is the way that someone would sit down to write lyrics to a to a tune that they're that they're working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I I agree. It, it, you know, that's why the wordsmiths, the ones that are good at it, are I really have an appreciation for. You know, the 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 Lemmys and the Phil yeah. Lennets and and those the Bon Scott, those guys. Of course. Yeah, I want to make I want to make a point that this interview you were talking to him about a tour that he was doing with uh, the tribute band Atomic Punks as his backup band. Uh, yeah, I, I I I don't I'm not certain about that. When I asked him who was playing guitar, it was a guy named Brian Young, mm-hmm. who uh, I don't know if he ever spent time in the Atomic Punks, and I want to say. At the time that I was interviewing Roth, uh, James Lomenzo might have been his bass player. Mm. Uh, all I know is that uh, the interview took place during the tour where Roth paired up with Sammy Hagar, and I believe. Oh, okay. Was, all I all right. Two thousand two. Okay. So he had a band that I don't think was entirely the Atomic Punks. Maybe one or two guys. Maybe. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah. Um, so yeah, but as as you can hear, you know, the, just talking to him is a riot, and I think that's part of his appeal. So, did you ever, uh, did you ever see Van Halen with Roth in their heyday? No, I um, <clears throat> have a story about that. So it was '79. Um, I know Van Halen had surely come through Texas before that. Um, but it was 79 and my younger brother, Randy, uh, who I give a ton of credit to, uh, for just my, my warped mind, uh, my record collection, uh, at a very young age, et cetera. Thanks, Randy. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you, Rando. And, um, so he and some friends saw that show in Corpus Christi, uh, the, the never say die Sabbath tour. And it and it would have been probably Van Halen 2 uh, songs they were playing mixed with the first album down in Corpus Christi at the Coliseum. Wow. 
<clears throat> my answer to your question, excuse me, <clears throat> is no. I never saw the the OGs. I never saw it. <clears throat> I have friends that did, of course. Uh, my brother saw it. And um, I remember him saying something about Van Halen. <clears throat> but I was just impressed that he got to see Black Sabbath. You know, I was... I was impressed that he got to see something that um, was kind of this, not necessarily a new band, you know, a band that had a whole career already. Yeah. And he saw <clears throat> he saw Alice Cooper as well. At the same year, I think, 79. I don't even know what record on Alice Cooper that would have been. Wow. Not all, almost up to flush the fashion. Yeah, yeah. But um, but anyway, um, quick answer is no, and I don't. It was one of those things that I lament about um, that we we've kind of beat ourselves up on here, like the bands that we could have seen that did not because you know mom's car had a flat tire or whatever, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So who knows? You know, you you can you can beat yourself up all you want for the things that you missed where you could have. Yeah. I'm just going to stay home. They'll come back next year. No, they won't. Yeah. I, I never got to see him back in the day. And I remember, uh, my, my, my good friend, Buzz is, uh, who lives in Houston is a huge Van Halen fan. And he first saw them on the fair warning tour and he never missed a show after that. So he saw them with Roth about seven or eight times. And then, you know, the the difference ten more times I guess with Sammy, and should, he, always, he should he should be in this conversation. He yeah, knows know. more about it. he he could talk about it more than we can. Exactly, um, we're kind of, we're kind of nuts and bolts, and he's like, no, dude, this one thing, and this, oh my god, when they did this, <laughs> yeah. Well, he was you know he he was a big champion of Van Halen because he saw them you know on the Fair Warning tour. And he's like, oh, my God, dude, you, you, if you ever get a chance to see him, you got to see him. Everything, you know, he was talking about the walls of amplifiers. And, you know, half of them, of course, were fake. We, we learned to, many to years. To be clear, it's it's the walls of speakers, not amplifiers. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So so Jared saw them four times with David Lee Roth, oh, our nice. producer. He saw him four times. So I never saw him. With we need Ron. to get Jared in here and because me and you are lame yeah. <laughs> uh, Van Halen spectators. Well, I, else. I never saw them in their heyday with Roth, but I did see a couple of the recent reunion tours. The first one, the first time I saw him was uh, I remember it was just before my son was born. He was born in February of 2008. So like January of 2008, it was one of the first reunion tours. And I loved it because I never got to see them with Roth back in the day. And, of course, it's just a hit after hit after hit, you know. And at that particular show, I felt like Roth was, you know, you know, trying to stay faithful to the songs he was trying to sing, you know, in time and on key and that sort of thing. And then I saw him uh, more recently when they did yet another reunion tour. And uh, I, I was like, I was really disappointed because he kind of let the clown shtick take over. And, and he was, I mean, I wouldn't even say he was singing. And, and I have a lot of friends who are musicians that I respect and admire. And uh, they, and they give him a pass. They're like, I, I don't care, dude. He's the greatest showman, the greatest frontman. I went to the show and had a blast. I thought he was awesome. 
And I was like, wow, dude, you're a, you're a musician. And you thought that was awesome. But you know, to each his own. Right. So I never got to see him until I'm raising, I'm raising my hand to try to yeah. not interrupt you as bad. I don't know. Do I need permission <laughs> to interrupt you, Dave? So no, that's fine. I have passed on going to see the mighty black Sabbath because I'm, 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 I want Ozzy to be in key. And yeah. he's not always in key. He's, yeah. he's having a rough night. He'll just, you know, he'll like throw the show. Like he'll just sing whatever note he can sing. And it's like, Oh, that's excruciating. And, and there is a lot of people who's like, who cares? I got to see Iomi. And I go, you, you're, you win. There's right. There's no, con I can't even argue that you got to see black Sabbath, but you didn't get to see Bill Ward either. So Ozzy had a key and no Bill Ward and they're all still alive, which is an amazing feat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, humanly, it's like, that's the Keith Richards thing, right? Right. right. So that's a thing about the Roth story you just told about, you know, your musician friends are like, he's the greatest showman on, you know, that's ever lived. And that's fine. I've watched videos and seen him sing, uh, you know, with Van Halen, uh, from afar, from the comforts of uh, technology. Yeah. Uh, and it's, I'll just say it, it's quite awful. <laughs> I'm one of those people who agrees. Um, it's quite awful. Um, because I want it to sound kind of like the record. Right. In, in time. Okay. Sing, sing out of key. Change some of the words. Sing the wrong words. Right. But sing in key. Yeah. Maybe in time. Yeah. Um, that would help. So if you're yeah. just kind of talking and just obliterating the song with, you know, yabba dabba do, it doesn't, doesn't do anything for me like I want it to. Yeah, you know, it's the same thing. It's like if you if you watch a video on MTV and then you go see the band thirty years later, and it's oh, it's all original members and they're all fat as hell and you know bald as hell and you know I can relate to all of those things, <laughs> but but understand understand, they're all you know that fan is also thirty years older. Sure, but somehow in their mind, they go. Oh, wow. Look, they're all old and fat. Well, so are you, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you know, you can't see the video and hold on to the video. And 30 years later, you're watching the video and you're looking, well, which one's Jason? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. That's yeah. unfair. That's guerrilla yeah. warfare. That's not going to work, <laughs> you know. So I feel like it might be the same thing. I mean, is 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 David Lee Roth sort of like cognitive, uh, you know, power? Is it is is he losing it? Um, have you heard interviews with Roth lately? He's not very uh, cohesive and coherent sounding to me. He's a little bit blown out. And Dave, David Lee Roth, if you're hearing this right now, I mean no disrespect. I worship the ground you walk upon. Absolutely. But I mean, that's why, that's why we're doing this show. That's I mean, right. You are on the pedestal. So don't yeah. think that we're trying to chop you down at the knee or. Yeah. You know, and you know, um, it, it's almost one of those things. I keep going back to the idea that, uh, Dave has, has no shame and that's actually part of his appeal. Right. And, uh, 
we have another clip about you know the famous uh assless leather chaps that he used to wear back in the day <laughs> let me let me find that one um you know that was the thing he's not uh he's not afraid to do he didn't care or say anything as long as it'll get a laugh or turn into a song let's see what this says <laughs> right are you uh any chance you're breaking out the assless leather pants <laughs> I'm still waiting for them to come back in fact. <laughs> going out going out this time. Last I think what's more impressive than the actual garment itself is the confidence it takes. <laughs> Nobody really wants to dress like me. And I don't even recommend it. <laughs> now it, it hard, it's hard normal, to beat. It? It's hard to beat that one, <laughs> right there. The fact that uh, he's saying no one wants to, no one wants to dress like me, and I don't blame them. I don't recommend it. <laughs> so that yeah. I can relate to that too. Just like a a fan who thirty years ago or even longer ago would wear something to a concert or to school. Or to just, hey, I think I look cool, you know, yeah. and you go to school or you go to a party, you go to a concert, and then you see the photos, you know, a, a thousand years later, and you go, what the hell was I wearing? Look at my hair. Look at my, oh, my God, what a God. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, though, that's part of his thing. You know, if it, if it draws attention and it gets a reaction then uh, mission accomplished, right? Well, he needed, he needed to be in Van Halen because I think that they took over the world with all of the rights to yeah. do so. Yeah. Um, they had the band, uh, Eddie was going to, you know, put everyone on their head who thought they could, uh, play a guitar. Yeah. And I think that uh, Eddie can write a song, any kind of song. And I think that um, Roth's, uh, we're not focusing on this, but his, uh, his solo career, he did great. Yeah. He did just fine. Yeah. Uh, I saw that. I saw that Eat em and Smile tour. No, no, it was the Skyscraper tour. Yeah. I saw that. He had the Bissonettes playing. Yeah. He may have had uh, Steve Vai. Vai is what I was going to say. Maybe he had Steve Vai. Yeah. I know he had Steve Vai on Eat Him and Smile. He may have had him on Skyscraper, too. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I think that um, that's a that's a great clip where he's just uh, unabashed about uh, the chaps. And he's cracking up again. You know who his voice kind of sounds like when they talk and even when they laugh is John Bush. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't can... know if it's California, if it's California thing, or just the way yeah. that his voice grinds. And, oh, the way you like, you know, or whatever it is. But it reminds me of Bush. Well, that's the that was the fun part about the interview, um, like you mentioned earlier, and I don't know if our listeners can hear it, but he's just howling away, laughing at everything he's saying himself, you know. And then I start laughing, and he laughs some more, and it's just this contagious laugh fest, and. You know, that that's kind of what made it so much fun, you know, besides the fact that you're talking to David Lee Roth. Did you see the uh, Jimmy Kimmel, I believe it was, uh, you know, uh, talk show that's, a you know, Jimmy Kimmel's a talk show, right? So, yeah. Uh, did you see the performance, the Van Halen performance? It was Wolfgang, of course. Um, 
no no michael anthony um did you see that it's on youtube like unedited don't think i've seen it okay well <clears throat> let me describe this um it was kind of a nightmare i believe there they like the show there was a lot you know jimmy kimmel live is the name of the show so they're they're live yeah and i think that they had to wait until the end credits to even play you know to get Dark. it on air um, because they had some kind of technical difficulties from anyway not to be long-winded about it is they finally get it get it going and i think jimmy actually comes out and announces it and they they start playing panama and they're playing panama and david lee roth comes out and he has this freaking samurai sword <laughs> have you heard about this uh no but i can see where this is going are you kidding <laughs> holy shit dave this is nuts okay so you know they're like take it to boom and they're you know two three four a chunk whatever you know panama yeah and he's he's you know doing this like you know samurai shit yeah. with a samurai a real samurai sword <laughs> yeah okay so he they, he gets into the song and he's kind of doing the talk sing thing that I bitched and moaned about ten minutes ago, <laughs> and uh, whatever that's fine. And uh, and then all of a sudden it gets to the breakdown, you know, solo oh, yeah. section part of the song, and Roth sort of he he had, he had walked back to the drum riser and like put a towel on his face and. And uh, he disappears backstage for a second. Yes. And then they're doing the breakdown. He comes back out with the microphone and says, uh, hey, I've got this thing happening and I've got to fix this thing. Let me let me take care of this thing. We've got some issues right here and I've got to take care of this thing. <laughs> and and, the, and so <laughs> the audience is like, what? What? I mean, you know, people close enough, they saw it happen. Yeah. I don't know. This is just for lack of knowledge and terminology and i'm just kind of ass backwards here he cut his fucking nose off and it fucked up the whole production i did see now that yeah i i remember seeing that or hearing about it or whatever and i didn't know if he like cut himself or just whacked himself real good with that because he gets that samurai sword spinning around super fast well, well let me remind you dave it's a sword yeah I know. It's not a whack on the, oh, ouch, I got a knot on my head. No, yeah. he's missing a an appendage. Yeah. Something's going on. <laughs> you know, it's a fucking sword. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, you know, I mean, all for, all for the show. Exactly. I mean, he's, he's dedicated to freaking you out, and that was something. I mean, he created a moment. I mean, we could do five David Lee Roth shows, whether we mention Van Halen or not. Did you yeah. see David Lee Roth on The Sopranos? Yeah, you did. Okay. No, I no, I no, I, I knew he had been. I had. Oh, oh, you didn't see that. Okay. I didn't well, see it, no. no, I I'm a huge Sopranos guy. I've watched all six point five seasons a hundred times in in twenty years. So, so uh, let's uh, let's run another clip. Okay. What of, What do you got now? What's this one? Of training, you know, he's he's he keeps himself in excellent shape, contrary to what he said at the top of the show with that first quote. Um, he's in amazing shape. Uh, obviously, he trains, does martial arts, and all this stuff. Uh, so I asked him 
or maybe he just offered. I don't remember, but there's a, we have a clip it, about. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Here you go. I'm going to hit it. <clears throat> uh, I still train hard, you know, twins, triplets. <laughs> Don't laugh, Dave. You know it's all it's all fun and games until you forget one of them's name. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, those of you offended by our inappropriate uh, <laughs> clips of David Lee Roth uh, just Sorry. basically chewing the fat on a regular basis, a daily basis. That's probably yeah. how he talks to the waiter. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> um <laughs> That's almost inappropriate, but I know. Well, um, well there's it, some... it's part of it's part of rock and roll, and it's funny as hell. Uh, yeah, we don't need to repeat that. Yeah, well, there's a, there's another one where he's talking about. We should roll this one too. He's talking about, okay. you know, it's all about the show, and uh, just hit the next one, and we'll let him do the talking. Yeah, here again. we go. <laughs> What's better than a happy hour gone wrong? <laughs> Still better than being at the office, right? Some of our best evenings have ended that way, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're going to be up till dawn, but it turned out to be happy hour somehow got wrong in a hurry, and that's how I met your mom. <laughs> right, son, that's how I met your mom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, that was a, obviously a treat. So uh, back to something serious. Let's uh... well, hold, hold on real quick. So that clip, I, I feel like if I recall, uh, he, you're actually at, talking to him about the Roth Hagar uh, co-headlining yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah. He's talk, you, the questioning that you were on was uh, like who headlines, you know, and he was explaining, well, I'm, I'll play last one night and he'll, you know, I'll <laughs> open the next and sometimes it ends well and you know then then he starts talking about happy hour and son that's how i met your mom yeah (laughs) well what he said uh what what his answer to the question i love the way he framed this was my question was just what you said i was like is this one of these deals where you guys tour across the country and you flip flop as headliners throughout the tour and he said yes and he goes and and how much better can that be one night i'm the special guest star and the next night, I'm the headliner. <laughs> so even when he's the opener, he's the special guest star. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you think David Lee Roth and you think Sammy Hagar, you put them 100 miles apart. They're still in the same club. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's talk about uh, uh, one last thing uh, on a serious note, and then we'll, we'll let Dave giant chime in one more time. But I wanted to ask you, we're talking about the great catalog of music that uh, Van Halen put out with David Lee Roth. If you had to pick one album out of that catalog with Roth, the Roth era, which Van Halen album would you go with? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Well, it it it's like Kiss. It's it's the first three. I can't. I really can't. I mean, if I had to pick, I mean, I love Van Halen too. I mean, those that could have been one record. Yeah, that's a you good. know when you just mix those tunes up, it could have been one record. It's yeah. almost like I remember because I love Dead or Alive. Doa. Yes. Great. It's one of those super heavy, crunchy. I mean, it's just, 
it, it's I had never heard anything like that other than you know what else kind of does that it's it's a little more stonesy is Adam's Apple by Aerosmith has a yeah. similar riff. Yeah, it does. Um, yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, you know, Van Halen is really kind of like has this momentum of uh, reminding you of something, but recreating it at the same time. Yeah. Um, if I had to pick one. That's the challenge. Pro probably, probably the first one. Yeah, you know, I, historically, when I've been asked the same question, I've always gone with Fair Warning, because I always felt like it was their most metal album. Um, but in recent, uh, I'd say the last couple of years, my son has really gotten into Van Halen. So I've kind of gone back, and he's had me re-listen to the first and second album. And, uh, Man, that first album is just a, I mean, that is a statement of purpose, man. It's like, we're I, here to kick ass. And... I love Little Dreamer. You know, it's not oh, really man. a ballad, but it's got the, yeah, Ain't it's got about the crooning. Song. Yeah, yeah, Ain't that's a, it's probably one of my favorite Van Halen songs. Well, uh, the, needless to say, the record is a, I mean, every Van Halen record is a freaking guitar lesson. Yeah. But yeah. it's more it's more a lesson in um you song know crafting. Eddie has a yeah it's song crafting yeah. uh Eddie has a as a certain way he does a lot of something called a sus chord and he does it in almost every song he writes and there's this underlying theme in the grooves that he does. I mean, they might have three or four different grooves. They got the boogie woogie. They got the booter da 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 Like Romeo's delight. That's yeah. the that's similar to I'm the one and hot for teacher, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like the first three and four records, there's these there's this circle of uh, tempos and grooves and chords that Eddie likes to use. And then I think that when he brought in the the keyboard stuff, like the first thing I remember was uh, Cradle Will Rock. Uh, Cradle and um, uh, I'll Wait. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. <clears throat> the I Michael mean, McDonald, the Michael up. McDonald song. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think that there's a way that he's writing on those that, that might give it a little spin, but there's similarities in, in what Eddie would like to do. Uh, in a song that would, I think, inspire the singer, in this case, it's it's Roth, uh, to sing the, the the melodies that he's singing and uh, and the harmonies that that Michael's going to going to put on top. Yeah. Well, there's no doubt about it. They had all the magic ingredients and they made it work uh, like nobody's business. And uh, as I said at the start of the show, I would have to put them probably in the top five of you know the greatest american hard rock bands i was when i was thinking about that i was like man that's a pretty bold statement but honestly you know there's metallica there's uh aerosmith uh you could say guns and roses even though they don't have the catalog but they definitely had the success and the impact uh but dude van halen as far as uh commercial success and influence and impact and the memories that they bring to countless people 
even casual rock and roll listeners. I mean, they were a big, big, big deal. And Roth was a huge part of that and putting them on the map. So here I am interrupting you again. This is something that it doesn't matter that we didn't start with this, but I want to say that the club that seems to be most popular for Van Halen, like pre signing a deal, was the Starwood. Yep. Yep. And there's one more club that they frequented in uh, in Los Angeles, L.A. County or Orange County. Um, Probably the Troubadour. Maybe. Yeah, maybe when they were clubbing, right? Yeah. yeah. And the fact that they would cover uh, new material back then, like they would cover Man on the Silver Mountain, and they would they, they liked the kinks, and they liked Montrose. Deep Purple, and... And things like that. They may have even covered Montrose. Yeah, they did. Um, I've got a I've got a, a cassette someone gave me years ago, and it just says Van Halen, the early years. And I I forgot to drag it out. Um, it's behind me somewhere, and there might be a song list on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, but I don't want to I don't want to do that right now because uh, it's kind of too late. But so, so let me ask you this. There's rumors, and I haven't really confirmed. Um, I know there to be some truth, but but I don't know if if uh, the person that's uh, walking around in my brain right now uh, that I want to say the name of, who might have discovered Van Halen, like brought the label to them. Oh, yeah, I know where you're going. Well... Who whoever walked into a bar or a club in Hollywood and saw Van Halen with their own eyes, and they were the new hot act uh, in uh, in Southern California, would have been one Gene Simmons. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Gene Simmons paid for their early demos. I yeah. believe produced their early demos. Went into a studio with them and just cranked out some tunes and I believe that that Van Halen record that they re-recorded those earliest tracks I can't remember what the name of it was remember yep, when yep. there was some, this I'm doing quotes air quotes this new Van Halen record yeah and it was uh, just songs from the heyday it's called uh are, are you talking about different kind of truth I don't know. It's an album they put out recently. Well, I say recently, maybe four years ago with David Lee Roth. Or longer, yeah. It's made out of scraps of stuff they had left over from the 70s. Yeah, re-recorded, uh, re-recorded songs from those Gene Simmons demos. Yeah, and it should be mentioned that that was a pretty decent album. I thought that was pretty pretty good. Uh, I, yeah. My expectations weren't that high after all these years, but the fact that they were building off of bits and pieces that were left over when they were in their prime had me pretty excited. And then when I heard the record, I was like, this is a pretty good addition to the David Lee Roth Van Halen catalog. You, well done, boys. You didn't you didn't tarnish the legacy. Did you know that uh, Kiss asked Eddie Van Halen to join Kiss? Yeah, there, I, I, I heard that there that he was even in the studio around the time of the Love Gun album. And, and I don't know if he actually recorded anything or demoed anything and then yeah, they, I, don't, I don't know they, i mean it's it's no secret that eddie was in the studio with a lot of people yeah um 
What about uh um, the least of which was Michael Jackson many years later? <laughs> How well, about that? You know, there's, a, there's others too. There's yeah, stuff but that, that you, you know, that's yeah. that's that was one of the sticking points between Roth and, and Eddie Van Halen was uh nineteen eighty four didn't go to number one because Thriller was at number one and Eddie Van Halen played on it and didn't get paid. <laughs> yeah, that's something that that's that's ridiculous. Yeah, well, yeah, that, that I mean, that's, I, I, that's one of my favorite Eddie Van Halen solos, by the way, is the one on Beat It. You know, I, I thought well, Beat It's a great song, obviously. Yeah. It's yeah. a great song. Yeah. So um, what about um, I had one more antidote. Oh, what about have you heard about the these are all rumors because I don't have anything to hold in my hand. Um, there is an I guess it's unreleased an unreleased record that was made by, of course, of course, David Lee Roth on vocals. And John Five wrote the tunes with Roth. And there's a full record of this kick-ass, you know, and it's in the era of old Van Halen. And it's John Five who's one of the baddest motherfuckers to play a guitar in the world. Yeah. And and David Lee Roth in fine form. They actually, if I'm not mistaken, they actually recorded and released something, and it flew under the radar because John Five was basically kind of unknown at that time. But I feel like uh, they did record something and it and did uh, release it, and it obviously did sell very well or become very popular, or else it would be jumping out at us. What's it called? I don't I dare know. You. I don't think it's out. I don't know. I think you're creating a fight. Well, they, then, it, you, yeah, I mean, at the very least, you're correct. They went into the studio and they worked together. I know that. Um, uh, but, so, so this is merely speculation from my side of things because that would be something that I would like to hear, and I don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. If someone, no. if someone out there has the record, please post in the comments after you hit subscribe. Yeah, yeah. Luke, and let us know I am if your father you must subscribe and let us know if that record indeed does exist and we're just drawing a blank jason says no and i want to say that there's something out there but I, I i could be totally wrong so yeah i don't know if something so kick ass as that as rumors cuz it's only rumors to me yeah um and you're saying that it's out hadn't floated by and caught my attention that doesn't make sense yeah okay all right i'll buy mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. But you're right. They did. They did team up and do something together. Whether it saw the light of day or not remains a mystery. Yeah. So, um, we got one more clip from Roth, and it might be the yeah. funniest one of the bunch. And uh, so, as uh, you know, when when he called me to do the interview, we had our time zones mixed up, and um, he called, and I wasn't there. So I had to scramble to get his publicist on the phone and reschedule the interview. And he called back, and obviously we did connect. But here's how he ended the interview um, with regard to how we were going to patch up the mess if we didn't reconnect. So, Yeah, or if the phone went dead or whatever. Yeah, here you go. Here it comes. <laughs> Listen, I, I really appreciate your time. I'm sorry I missed you this morning. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And like I said, the... you know what I was going to do, Dave? Oh. Is I was going to call back and 
I was going to just leave you a list of answers until you make up the question. <laughs> right, so why don't we do a little bit of that right now, okay? Okay. okay you want to call me back and leave me some answers? <laughs> no, I'll just do it right now. Okay, ready? Okay. Dear Dave, here are some answers. Please make up the questions later and be creative and colorful. Ready? Ready. Okay. Answer number one. Phenomenal. Couldn't have possibly been better. Answer number two. It wasn't me. Those are lies and rumors spread by my competitors to ruin my good name. <laughs> Number three. Yes, Your Honor, I was here last week. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Dave, come to the show. Say hello. I will. I'd love to. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks so much for your time, Dave. Great day. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just going to leave you some answers, make up the questions, and be creative. <laughs> well, and that's classic. Uh, you know, you you wouldn't expect it to be that little show that he put on for you at the end there, but you knew something was going to go out with a bang. And, you know, yeah, that was, uh, out of all the interviews I've done, that one's definitely a standout and for good reason, as you can, as, as you all have witnessed now. So, yeah. Yeah, you, I mean, you interviewed Eddie as well. Yeah, but there's no comparison in entertainment. Yeah, Eddie's Eddie's more serious and you know a gearhead and and he's great. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I mean, dude, nobody really stacks up to Roth. You know, I mean, uh, it was well, just comedy the whole time. And I love the fact that he's just howling along, laughing along with me the whole time. So well, he's making he's making it a good time wherever he's yeah. going. If he's you know he could be doing laundry and laughing by himself probably. <laughs> Yeah. So well, there you have it. I hope uh, he's entertain. I hope he's entertaining himself right now somewhere. I'm because sure he is. The last couple of things I've heard him do, I, uh, I I'm worried about him. <laughs> it's almost like a stream of consciousness, and then and then like someone put a wall up, and he just starts on a new color, you know. And I'm just like, wait, wait a second. Would did did the did, was there did the record skip you know because uh and i hear steven tyler has that same kind of thing going on i'm like man i hope they're hope yeah. they're still hope they're still hanging in there uh cognitive you know trying to you know yeah that's a yeah. that's a bitch so yeah well you know i guess if you spend your whole life uh doling out punch lines i mean at some point do the wheels fall off i don't know man <laughs> well um it's 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 still entertaining Absolutely. but it makes you go what that's a wing nut going on there i don't that's you know it's got shoehorns and all kinds of non sequiturs happening i mean they were non sequitur anyway but now i'm real now i'm just now I'm, he's spinning me around telling me to you know shoot the target and i don't i don't need a blindfold you know because i'm so confused so oh man well david anyway, Lee Roth, obviously one of the great front men of all time in front of one of the greatest bands of all time and that catalog of music he put together with the van halen brothers and michael anthony is something to behold and uh it's it's timeless you can put on any of those records today and it'll start a party and I mean, what more can you ask for? Great stuff. Um, that was fun. Uh, thanks for pulling up the the Roth clips. Uh, it's always fun to hear that stuff again. So, oh yeah. Well, um, I'm glad that that uh, you have been in a position to to be able to, um, you know, 
rub elbows with some uh, some you know some footloose and fancy free folk. <laughs> Um, and I think that that has uh, you being a rock fan has uh, you know given just so everyone at you know here uh, talk louder as well as uh, listeners and fans and and subscribers uh, are are taking note here. Um, you know, they now know what really sort of probably helped spawn the idea of you and I having some sort of Beavis and Butthead talk show. <laughs> you know, yeah. you you being a journalist and me being a front man and a lyricist and a, and us meeting in the middle going, well, we're buddies, we're fans, and uh, we're both sort of writers and characters, and uh, you know, we should put our take our vitamins and put our crash helmets on and make a make a show, and we did. So there you go. Here we are. Yeah. And we had David Lee Roth as a special guest, whether he knows it or not, today. So. Well, let's hope we don't get sued. <laughs> and on that note, let's move on to our shot of rock and roll. So my shot of rock and roll today is based on this photo that uh, we're showing right now on YouTube. And for those of you who are listening and not watching, what I'm showing is a picture of a promo item. It's actually a Dangerous Toys promo item. And we started this episode by talking about uh, one of our listeners, a guy named Rex Rogers. And Rex actually gave me this promo item. And what it is, is it's a wooden jack-in-the-box uh, that was used as a promotional item, a Dangerous Toys promotional item. And what it did was when you lift the latch, the Dangerous Toys clown, also known as Bill Z-Bub, pops out of the jack-in-the-box and uh, also along with a cassette copy of, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, I think it's the the debut album. And uh, it's one of these things that wasn't available to the public. You couldn't get it through the fan club. Uh, Jason's holding his up right now. Yeah, so, you know, Jared can show the clip while I got up. Yeah, yeah. And so here it is. There uh, it is. It's a wooden dangerous toys jack in the box. And when you flip the lid, uh Billzy Bub pops out and Yeah, it's it's a mock up of uh you know, the album cover. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, the the box is it's literally uh embossed, you know, the it's the logo and the and the clown face, uh the, the, the infamous clown and crossbones. He's wearing a cowboy hat. In the embossed, yeah, uh, it'd be cool to make a mold of that. I bet I could do that without yeah. ruining the the collection. So, so tell people this is kind of a rarity because uh, it wasn't available to the public. You couldn't get it through the fan club. It, you weren't selling it at the gigs as at the merch table. This was strictly for radio promotion or something. Is that right? Yeah. So you know, this wasn't even. I can't even take the credit for you know the band. We can't even take the credit for this this thing it looks like the box from hellraiser <laughs> which is appropriate to me it is appropriate, appropriate. yeah, yeah. Perfect. it just looks you know it just looks like it would demons fly out or something anyway um perfect. so management and maybe maybe the label you know when they finally saw the album cover um they were like oh man we need to make a real jack-in-the-box with that 
fucker popping out, you know, and da 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 da, and uh, and and that was be unbeknownst to me or anyone in the band that they were thinking of doing that. How can they make that a reality? I would have never known. Yeah, but obviously they they contacted. I want to. I think that the company was called the Illusion Factory. They're credited on the record um, as uh, part of the art department. Uh, because they had to, uh, for whatever reason, had to finish coloring the the album art because it was uh, turned in slightly unfinished. Yeah. And um, I don't know if anyone ever noticed noticed this before, but the colors on the Texas flag earring are up, are wrong. That's because someone from California doesn't know where the co- where the red and the blue fucking go on a tech the red and the white. My bad. Oh, uh, shit, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> because of them they yeah. they messed it up for me so anyway yeah they put the red you know texas flag reds on the bottom they put the red on the top and the white on the bottom so that's why now now everybody knows why uh that flag is messed up is yeah. because someone in california did they, they painted it weird so um but i'm gonna pop this lid but i'm gonna do it kind of sheepishly because this thing will fall apart this thing's over 30 years old yeah so. yeah and of course, oh. there went the cassette. Wow. So the spring is actually hard, hardcore. Yeah, that and thing it threw the cassette out. out. Yeah, that launched out of there. It's like a bullet, right? So yeah. the cassette sits like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's pretty cool. And yours doesn't have a cowboy hat. No, mine is missing uh, the hat, and and what, it doesn't have the cassette in it anymore. Does it have the hangman's noose around his neck? It does. It, it oh, does good. Okay. So, yeah. so the reason I got mine is Rex Rogers and his band, uh, Shotgun Rebels, came to Austin to play a gig. Oh, and yours has all of his teeth too. Mine. Well, let, let me let me mention that. So this oh, guy, yeah. I have a backstory behind this guy. Um, that's will take too long to tell, but this is not my original. Like everyone in the band got one of these out of yeah. like maybe 250, I think they made. Wow, and you were right, these were promo items that went to radio stations all across the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what a cool thing! They open a box and they get this thing, and they get a oh man, we got to check these guys out. It was a great sort of calling card, yeah, sure. Um, the teeth were broken out when I got this little guy and so what i did is i i i got artsy one day and the and the paint on the the nose the clown nose had worn off because it rubbed against the side of the box yeah yeah so i painted the nose um fairly recently actually i gave him a facelift and he was missing all his teeth so those actually are toothpicks broken off painted yellow and glued on so there's dave's without teeth Mine's, and he, and yeah. here's mine with teeth, and those are toothpicks broken off, painted, glued in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so facelift. I, I uh, where did Rex Rogers get his? Well, so that's the story. Okay. So uh, he comes to town. He comes to Austin with his band Shotgun Rebels, and I hadn't met the band at the time. I was aware of them, and I think they've been to town before and played some shows, like you said, with either Broken Teeth or uh maybe gentlemen social club or or new oh, disaster oh, oh yeah every every few months they were here yeah for a year but or they, two uh, i don't know that we'd ever been formally introduced so they were coming to town and i offered you know for i know what it's like uh not 
firsthand, but I'm aware of what it's like to be a band that's traveling. You want a place to eat. You want a place to relax before the gig. Uh, these guys are on the cheap, so there is no hotel. There, you know. So I was like, hey, you guys want a place to camp out for, you know, before you do the show? You can come to my house. I'll grill up some barbecue. I'll feed you guys if anybody needs to do laundry or whatever, take a shower. So they came over and hung out in the backyard. We had a barbecue. And uh, much like you see behind me here, uh, uh, for those of you that are listening and not watching, I'm in this room that's just covered in all my rock and roll memorabilia from, from years gone by. Well, they heard about my room, and they're like, hey, we hear you've got this room that's covered in all this memorabilia and all this rock and roll stuff, and can we see it? And I said, sure, come on upstairs. And they come upstairs, and they check out my room, and Rex was looking around, and he saw that I had some dangerous toys stuff. Um, and it was around my birthday, and so they were like, dude, this is awesome. They didn't even want to leave. And then I found out later that they said their favorite part of the trip to Austin was hanging out in my bedroom. <laughs> and then, so Rex told me before he left, he said, Hey, I'm going to send you something for your birthday. And I was like, okay, cool. So I gave him my address and I'm thinking, you know, he's in a band. So I'm thinking he's going to send me a t-shirt or a shotgun rebel CD or something like that. Well, a few days go by, I come home from work one day and there's this box on my doorstep and it's about the size of a football and it's from Rex. And I'm thinking, this is not a CD and it's a weird shape for a t-shirt. Wonder what this is. And I open it up and it was the Dangerous Toys uh, Jack in the Box. And I think he had it on his shelf at the Dead Horse Saloon in San Angelo. That's where I had seen it. And yeah. I didn't know that he had one. And he may have told me, because they're rare. It's They're rare. Let's yeah. face it. It's rare. Yeah. It's kind of historical thing, especially around here regionally. It's kind of a big deal because we're from here. So yeah. I still don't remember where he got his. I don't know where he got it, but I remember okay. he sent it to me and he said, it would look better in your room with all your other dangerous toy stuff than it does at my bar. So it's yours. And I was like, dude. Well, he, cool. he had a cool, he's cool looking bar. You know, um, yeah. he had it dolled up real cool. It looked a lot like your room. Yeah. Maybe it was rivaling <laughs> your room, and he was, maybe that's where he got his inspiration. I don't know. I think we're all geeks at heart, you know. Well, <clears throat> well, hopefully Rex can can get in the commentaries and, uh, you know, because he's already a subscriber. Uh, and yeah. uh, he can tell us the story of where he got his Jack, his Dangerous Toys collectible uh, promo item, Jack. And yeah, do that, Rex. Leave it in a comment because uh, we'd like to know that. And uh, once again, thank you for the, for the gift and the generosity. I'm proud to have such a rare promo item in my collection of stuff. And uh, thanks for following the show and uh, oh, yeah. subscribing and all that stuff. R real and, quick, uh, real quick, real quick. This one I got from uh, Dustin Stroud. Yeah, yeah. Dustin, uh, local musician guy as well. Um, Riddling Kids, right? Riddling Kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. He's but, now my realtor. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. So he was, uh, his band, he was in, I think, New York or something, and he was in the office uh, for the label rep. And they had this Jack in the Box in there. And he's like, whoa. And they were like, you know these guys? And like, yeah. And they're like, you can have it. 
Oh, nice. they just gave it to him. Oh, so he comes, he comes to like a broken teeth gig or something. He goes, dude, check it out. This is for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> and like, the funny thing is, is like a month prior or maybe more, I had sold mine, you know, I file on hard times and I needed some money. Yeah. I sold mine for like 150 bucks. Yeah. So obviously it was meant for me to have one. Yeah, of course. I mean, and, and through the generosity of good friends, uh, we both got one. So there so. you see, that's, there's something, that's the reason we have a show, Dave. Yeah. Guys like that. Stupid, stupid <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> well, thank you, Rex. Thanks for the gift and thanks for subscribing and thanks for being a fan of Talk Louder. And thank you, Dustin, for uh, reuniting Jason with his well-deserved, long-lost jack-in-the-box Billsy bub should wrap it up this go around uh that was a lot of fun talking about roth and van halen what a career what a collection of records i reach for them all the time they never let me down classic stuff and on that note uh we should remind folks uh talklouderpodcast.com is where you can get your swag t-shirts coffee mugs etc that's talklouderpodcast.com in the meantime Thanks for listening. We'll see you again on the next episode of the Talk Louder podcast.